Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, this is Craig Ferguson letting you know that I am bringing the Fancy Rascal Tour to the Majestic Southwest this weekend, October 7th, at the Wild Horse Pass Hotel and Casino in Chandler, Arizona, which is in the Phoenix area. October the 8th, at the Fox Tucson Theater in Tucson, Arizona, which is in the Tucson area. For tickets, go to my website, thecraigfergusonshow.com slash tour. My name is Craig Ferguson. The name of this podcast is Joy. I talk to interesting people about what brings them happiness. Meet David Itzkoff, former culture reporter for the New York Times and now just culture writer for anybody, including the New York Times. He's very clever about the culture. I feel like if we'd have got a second season of Join or Die, it might have been worth watching. But we were talking about how formats can uh, lead you astray. Yes. Uh, and I did a show called Join or Die after I finished in Late Night, which was a <laughs> which you were openly laughing at just seconds ago. I'm laughing at everything you do, sometimes yeah, for the right reasons, sometimes, sometimes for, the, for wrong. the wrong reasons. How are you, pal? I'm good. I'm really flattered that you invited me to your little chess competition room. My booth. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a booth where we do, but it's a podcast booth. Yes. I take it with me around the country, my little booth. I set it up and I interview not always luminaries like the culture. Are you the editor yet at the New York Times? You know, it's an interesting thing. I am departed in the fall so that I could focus on a book project. I still write for them. I still write for other publications. Oh, but you're not actually on the payroll anymore. No, no. It was a big step, and I've been almost a year now. Are you a Republican now, then? Is that what it is? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I no longer write for the New York Times, and I'm running... I can let my freak flag fly. But that's interesting, because I think of you as a New York Times guy. 
way. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think it's I, it's something that will always be in my blood. The tattoo is not coming off for right. whatever reason. You don't have any tattoos. No. I, I have. Well, I do have a tattoo. Do you really? Yeah, you know why? You why? you're going to remember when I explain this to you. What? One of my tattoos is of Sid Vicious because oh, that's right. You yeah. were kind enough to introduce me to Steve Jones on like the best day of my life. You know, I have to say, I've known Jonesy for a long yeah. time, and if meeting Jonesy is the best <laughs> day of your life, we really have to help yeah. you. Because he's like, do you know what? Do you know what? The last time I saw him, yeah. we were talking about the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, mm. and he said to me, oh, yeah, I saw, saw Bohemian Rhapsody. Apparently, Freddie Mercury was a really nice bloke. I had no idea. I must have went, buy me that bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! If I could have heard him say that it live, I think I would have just I would have just fallen on the floor. Pretty funny. That's hilarious. Have you? Do you still listen to Jonesy's? Yes. Yeah, he's yeah. great. I love him. I I just it's wild to me that like that's almost more of his identity now than like being. I mean, yes, he'll always have his role in punk rock. But well, like, the Sex Pistols is a pretty decent band, and yeah. and to create the guitar sound that yeah. he did, and yeah. he really did. But he's like an elder statesman too, and he's got all this, uh, you know, institutional knowledge, and he dispenses it to the next generation. That's such a fun. Like that's clearly not what he imagined himself doing well, fifty I years it, ago. It's weird. He got when I did started doing the puppets on late night. It was from Jonesy because oh. I was listening. I was driving his. To work one day, driving to school, I was going to say. So it's driving to work because it Same felt thing. like a, fucking CBS. <laughs> Get in there, Mr. Ferguson, and do your podcast. Oh, no, it wasn't a podcast then. What was it? Yeah. Talk to those celebrities. Yeah. It was like them. a podcast with pictures. It yeah. kind of was. Yeah. Badly lit podcast. But the I was on the way, driving to work one day, and I was listening to Jonesy's Jukebox, yeah. which is Steve Jones's radio show in LA, and he played... Uh, Frank Ifield mm -hmm. singing She Taught Me to Yodel, okay. uh, which is a song from the 19, I guess, 1950s. That she taught me to yodel, <laughs> yodel only. And I thought, my God, that is so messed up. Yeah. I'm going to put that on the show tonight. <laughs> and I did. I put it on the show that night and I lip synced to it oh uh, with a, a puppet. And uh, anyway, that was about me. So listen, what's the book project that you quit your. Wow. Carefully decent I, job. See, for. I knew this was going to happen. I'm, I'm kind of keeping it under wraps, and it'll be okay. out in the world about a year from now. And at that time, you don't want to talk about it. It's, yet? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, for various reasons. I'm also a little superstitious, and and you know, it, it's, it suffice to say, it was a very cool opportunity, and like I just couldn't pass it up. All right, hold on a second. Uh -oh. Here's the clue that came in there. So you're a little superstitious. Yeah. Is it superstitious? Or is it OCD? No, I don't think it's OCD, but if okay. you want to call it anxiety. You anxiety. Know? Yeah. No, why, why are you anxious? Uh, you, I mean, you wrote, a, I mean, you, the first book that I, I think was the first book you wrote, Cocaine Son. Uh, that was one of the first. Yeah. Right. That was, okay. the, but yes, you were the very first kind. one I read. Yes, thank you. Right. Yeah, you were now, kind to support me in, in, in that era. Thank well, you. Well, listen, if you were writing a book about being raised by a cocaine addicted father, it, yeah. I felt like. Given the way that I had lived, around about the same time, I felt it was only. Yeah. It was only. How are things going in that department now? Well, uh, you know, I mean, my my dad passed away in 2019, but I I'm have a son. Very sad to oh, hear that. That, that. That's okay. I appreciate that. But he, you know, my son is eight and a half, and it's interesting because, you know, I mean, of course, like I have 
copies of the book, you know, not like sure. prominently displayed in the household, but on like the fam, you know, I have like a bookshelf in my own room with some of my books on it. And he, yeah. you know, for many years, uh, you know, he, my son would walk past the bookshelf and he would just know that those were books of mine and had no curiosity about them. And now little by little, he can, like, he can read the titles on the spines, but he keeps passing that and he thinks that the title is Canine's Son. <laughs> and I don't Good ha- idea for a kid's book. Yeah. <laughs> Good idea. Here comes the franchise. Bro, oh, yeah. here, oh, it's my dad. <laughs> the heartwarming story. <laughs> Raised by a dog, yes. he became the culture reporter on the New York Times. So, yes. so he doesn't know, you know, what. I mean, first of all, he doesn't know what it really says, and he doesn't know why. Yeah. yeah, but I'm not saying that he should in any way follow the trajectory that I did, but I learned about my dad's addiction when I was 10, I want to say. Like, that's when it was made explicit to me. And, of course, I had many other clues before that. Well, yeah, but your your son's having a very different experience. I sure the, hope so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean... And, I mean, you know, yes, it, it, it com- one side effect or impact of having the upbringing that I did is that I want to be dedicated to him in every way possible and it wounds me terribly if i ever feel like i miss any kind of you know a uh, transitional moment in his life or yeah. just even a day that he wants me to come to school to see something and oh i already had a commitment that day and i can't make it like you it's know, it awful stabs isn't it? you in the heart yeah, yeah i feel exactly the same my kids are getting older now yeah. so it's uh so they're a bit more kind of like yeah all right dad no it's okay yeah, <laughs> Dad, I, 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 I'm on a date. I really, I really don't need you to be here. Uh, you don't need to be two rows yeah, back at the yeah, theater. Yeah, that's right. I, but it is. It's kind of it is an odd thing because are you a helicopter parent? Do you think? No, I. I mean, I, I, I will let him give me the assessment at some point. But I, I feel like I'm probably way like I'm probably more neurotic about it and more like tunnel focused on it than I need to be. I think about how even in the right ways that I was raised growing up, you know, my parents gave me a lot of latitude and like, I, you know, I was already riding public transportation in New York City probably by the age of 10. Yeah, see, that's that's not great though, Dave. You know was, that. You know, I, I mean, I can't say good or ill, but I, I, that was how kids of my generation, I mean, we were all latchkey kids. That part was terrible. Right, that's true. Uh, I don't think that that really had any positive impact on us, but the amount of just, you know, trust and independence that we were offered that I find, like, I can't even fathom it. I can't think about my, I'm trying to think of how old he's going to be when he's allowed to cross the street by himself. It could be age 15 at this rate. I for my oldest boy, I let him get on an airplane to cross the Atlantic to see his grandpa when he was 15. Wow. And I took him all of it. It was in Glasgow. We were in Scotland. Right. And I went to the airport and the lady said, you're not allowed to come behind the barrier while I ask him the security questions. <laughs> I said, he's 15. <laughs> she said, yes, but you can't, you can't come behind the barrier. So... There was a barrier between me and him, like just like a piece of rope. So I stood right next to him, and there was a rope, and she was asking him questions, and she kept looking at me saying, you have to maintain a distance. I went, I'm not letting you take my kid away. Um, And it it was, it got ugly. They saw you, like, signaling with semaphore flags. They said, none of that. It's weird thing, because he's 15, I'm embarrassing him. You know, he's like, oh, Dad, for God's sake. Well, did they think that you're going to, like, give him hints on the questions or something? Yeah, and also, they're saying, um, you know, 
Did anyone pack your bags for you? And go, right. for, yeah, my mom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like crazy. Yeah. Anyway, so here's the thing. Mm. You're raising your boy now, but it's making you think about your own childhood a little bit. Because that's yeah. what happened to me when I, when my boys were young. I was like, oh, God. And it goes back and you think about, does it help you in your perspective about your father's problems back then do you do you find yourself more or less forgiving do you have you have you changed your perspective since the writing of the book yeah i mean i probably not for the better i would have to say you know it's it's a tough thing to reckon with but i think i'm probably less forgiving i when i find myself doing just commonplace everyday dad type things Mm -hmm. i get literally get up in the morning and make pancakes for my son. Right. I try to think about, would my dad have ever done this for me? He like, would have still been awake, yeah. but no making pancakes. <laughs> yeah. If he was in the apartment at all, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, I know it's not healthy and it's not great. The pancakes are healthy and great, but well, my, yeah, sure <laughs> but my attitude thing. is not. But there is a kind of nostalgia because you're a yeah. culture guy, right? You, yeah. you're, you report and comment and investigate our artistic journeys that we make as a society. Thank you right? for assessing me. In right, I'm assessing yeah, you that very, way. Very, very lofty, but thank you. Right, well, you know, it's, I, I give you a little more credence because you used to work right. for the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I get that for like maybe one more year and right. then the glow is gone, I get it. <laughs> but, but the thing is, there's a lot of nostalgia now for that time, that kind of uh, Stranger Things yes. t- uh, type, you know, nostalgia for that period when you were little, and I'm like, it wasn't so great. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to remember the, the James Gray movie that came out last year, uh, Armageddon Time, which right. uh, was set in New York, like right at the turn of 1980, and a kid, you know, growing up in one of the outer boroughs, I think, I'm pretty sure it was Brooklyn, and, you know, has a fairly, like, placid family life, like no, you know, no drug abuse, no uh, conflict of, like, that degree, but also I thought it was very good at illustrating, like, just the sort of the vibe of being an 80s kid in New York and the challenges that probably anybody would have faced growing up and the way that it would have impacted. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I found myself kind of yearning for that also of how, like, yeah, I mean, you see the, the family conflict and the struggles that the kid goes through, and I was like, damn, I wish I was back there right now. Right, well, as, I As I messy get as it was. Well, yeah. I get that, but I see this is my theory about it. I have a theory about a lot okay. of things, Dave. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is my theory about it. When people get go. nostalgic for that kind of thing, you're not really nostalgic for the time. You're just nostalgic for being young. When your body worked differently, when you know when it was all in front of you, yeah, uh, and things were a little different because, you know, when I look back on, I don't get nostalgic for Glasgow in the nineteen seventies. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I don't think anyone uh, would get nostalgic for that. But I, in a way, yeah, yeah, because you go well, and when you hear, particularly old comedians, right. Mm. It's like, what? back in the day, you know, we used to, what, you know, it was terrible. It was oh. terrible back in the day. That's just, you know, and it's so interesting because, like, sure, if I could, like, wave a wand or hop in a time machine and see the Glasgow of your, like, youth, of course I would, like, I'm, all I can imagine is, like, the grittiness and the coolness, and I'm sure it wasn't any of those things for I you. Know, there was grittiness, yeah. and there was, the coolness was so, it wasn't cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but I lived... 
I lived in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, yeah. 1984. Oh. Right? 19- Maybe we crossed paths. That'd oh, be wild. You, well, we, let's see. You, what age were you then? Well, I would have been eight. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I would have been 20. Okay. So it, that would have been bad. Yeah, not you hanging know? at the time. I, 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 I feel like, though, I didn't see anyone eight years old yeah. in the Lower uh, You know, I lived at, uh, just next to Tompkins Square Park. And I don't think there were any children, there shouldn't have been any no. children within about a mile of that park. Yeah. <laughs> and you see that park now, yeah. and it's very, you know, it's mom and pop yeah. and young families, and yeah. young rich families. Yes. And I think, this is a weird thing, because it wasn't so hot then. No. But I kind of feel it's missing something a little bit because of all that danger's gone away. And it... It's not really. It's not missing anything. But I feel like it's just because I'm older. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because my wife and I, before we got married, we were living in that neighborhood. But like early 2000s, we were living on like 11th and A and 14th and A. And you're right. I mean, that all of that, I mean, the park was, you know, as as tranquil and safe as could be. But like... We remember when, like, the first 7-Eleven moved into the neighborhood yeah. or, like, on our corner when, like, they started building, like, a Target department store. And that, like, to us, that was, like, the end of... of the, the end of the neighborhood? <laughs> yes. That's funny. <laughs> Not when they got rid of, like, the drugs and the crime, but, like, when the, you know, the the brand names well, the, started infiltrating. I remember the, uh, the corner of 11th and A, I bought cocaine off a guy on the corner there once. It's the only time I ever actually bought cocaine on the street. Because wow. most of the time you'd buy it from someone like, hey, there's this guy and yeah. stuff like that. And I bought cocaine on the corner. It's the only time I bought a drug and it absolutely didn't work. Right. It was salt or something. I was like, oh mm. my God, this is outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> and I was so I was so annoyed and I, and I went back to complain to yeah. him, but he wasn't there, which <laughs> I'm very, very happy right. about now. He wasn't there. So you asked for his manager. I was like, I want to see your supervisor (laughs) because this is awful. This cocaine is subpar. (laughs) Well, on on behalf of the industry, let me please take this opportunity to apologize. Well, that's fine. You're not in the cocaine distribution industry. No, no, no. Hello, everybody. This is Craig Ferguson, letting you know that my Fancy Rascal tour continues throughout the fall of 2023. For a full list of dates and tickets, please go to my website, thecraigfergusonshow.com slash tour. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Look, everybody has stuff that stresses them out and annoys them, and I'm no different from anybody else. For example, I get very irritated that people that wear shoes that look like feet. That's not a big deal, but it's a it's a big deal to me. Obviously, there are much more important things to get worried about. Get them off your chest. When you keep them bottled up, it starts to affect you negatively. Now, therapy is a safe place to do that. That's what I did. And you figure out what's going on with you, work it through, and then let it go. Let it go, you see? That's what, I, that's what I think. I've done a lot of therapy, and I have to say I'm a very satisfied customer. If you think I'm kind of tense now, you should have seen me before I started. I'm actually, I really do recommend it. If you can do it, you should do it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I'd suggest giving better help a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient. It's flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with, you know, a licensed therapist, a proper one, and then you can switch your therapist at any time for no additional charge. I just think it's a good idea. Give it a shot. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash joypod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash joypod. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So listen, the culture... And I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but culture is changing. It's evolving very rapidly. At the it moment. certainly is. Yeah. And do you find yourself being wary when even reporting on things? Because, you know, it's, I speak with some experience. It's quite easy to trip over your feet and get into trouble right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think in a very, sort of weird way, I feel like almost a kind of relief that I'm not reporting, let's say, on the sort of the day-to-day of, you know, like the SAG-AFTRA and Writers Guild strike, or even really, you know, I mean, just this this is by no means the sort of most important aspect of it, but it has had a trickle-down effect even on the coverage of culture that uh, somebody who was in my position a year ago, I wouldn't, I, I, you can't get access to the people that you need to tell your stories. You can't write a kind of, you can't write a general celebrity profile really because the vast majority of them are on strike. Right. Uh, so, you know, uh, but just the, the, I think the way that the strike itself is written about and, you know, I think there's rightfully so, so much, you know, I think sympathy and understanding of what it is that the actors and the writers are on strike for. You know, I think about if I were writing a New York Times story, of course you have to include all voices. You would have, if you, you talk ah, to... There, see, there's your problem. Yeah, you start to get... You if you get, include all voices in any yep. piece at all, yeah. now that, I feel, is a shift in cultural reporting because it is dangerous to include a contrary or opposing position. Particularly, look, I don't want to single out the New York Times. Sure. It's, no, it's no worse or better than anyone else, but it, it seems to take an editorial position 
that would imply... Now, I don't know if this is said. I know nothing about the inner workings of the Times, so I don't know if anybody ever says, yeah. well, we don't want to give those guys a platform. Screw those guys. Right. But it is a newspaper, and you are kind of meant to, aren't you, as a journalist? Well, that's the push and pull of it all the mm. time, I think. And that, yes, I mean, if you just, you, you know, uh, is the goal to just present voices and let an audience kind of choose what it wants to believe? Or, you know, does a reporter or a writer bring some amount of expertise and knowledgeability about a subject and that, yeah, I mean, you can, you know, do you have to quote from somebody, regardless of who they are, if you know uh, that they're just blowing smoke or that they're just, you know, they're just giving you a, a canned statement with nothing supporting it. Well, that's a thing that with culture you're going to run into a lot because mm-hmm. especially if you're covering some uh, movie or, a, you know, or a piece of music, you're dealing with publicists, yes. right? <laughs> and you're dealing with people who their job is to protect the asset. Yes. That's, the, that's their job, just protect the asset. And so you're not going to get any unfiltered opinion unless you get access to the asset in real time. And the asset is, uh, a lot of them now are savvy enough to, it's really about marketing. Well, I think people are hyper aware of, you know, if, if, you, if you are an individual, if you're a personality, and you know what this is like, I mean, how much is sort of on your shoulders at any given moment, and just the reality of, being a public figure and what it means to be in an interview situation, even if it's not, you know, you, you don't enter into it uh, confrontationally. No, but I think but, I, yeah. I think it doesn't have to be. All no. you have oh, to no. do is is just leave a sentence lying around that can be turned into clickbait, and it becomes dangerous for you. And that's why I, I think publicists are very nervous about interviews now if you say like a big movie star is going for like do you remember that terrible trouble liam neeson got into yes a few because he said something really off color yes this and is it, i remember them sort of uh they, they, i mean he came back onto that uh, onto the tv show atlanta and kind of made fun of himself for right. it and that seemed to help clear the air but that took that was a process of like two or three years before right. he could get to i that. mean yes. and he he got in a lot of trouble yeah for speaking in an unguarded way. I mean, look, what he said wasn't good. No. But... Uh, I mean, he you, was trying to speak... I'm not even defending the content, but yeah, yeah, he was trying to sort of say something that seemed honest to him right. in the moment. And and yes, of course, yes, he was, you know, knocked down for that. Oh, yeah. God, it was like <laughs> like seagulls on a fish supper. And it was like... Rah! <laughs> so, if you were doing it now... Yeah. And say you were interviewing, like, like. Well, do you want me to tell you a true story? Sure. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I just hope it's not too sensitive because it involves, you know, your successor at at CBS. I mean, one of the last pieces that I wrote for the Times as a full time reporter, it was about James Corden in the midst of, you know, everything that had happened. To oh, this, this back yeah. and forth that he was yeah. having with the owner of Balthazar, and right. he and I already had an interview that was scheduled about a week. Later, he was going to be in New York, and he had this, you know, really terrific TV miniseries that he was starring in, and that was what we were ostensibly there to speak about. And to his credit, he didn't 
canceled the interview. The yeah, publicist. I would have totally canceled yeah, the interview. Yeah, I mean, that was, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, a little fucking way I'm talking to Dave. Dave, I'm not talking to you, man. Look, that is I a got, legitimate, uh, you know, uh, uh, way that he could have approached it, or they could have just said, look, it's it's too hectic a time, or any make up some excuse. Yeah, He's COVID. Got, yeah, 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 COVID. Yeah, I got COVID. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Now, I thought to his credit, he came to the interview, and we're having like a, a, a late breakfast at the hotel that he's staying at. How was he with the waiter? Was he rude to the <laughs> Well, of course. This is, you know, the table right next to us. Like, we're two minutes into our conversation, and we hear the people next to us, one of the, the diners, chastising their waiter. And he, no. you know, he makes a little face about it, you know, gives me a little, you know, and he makes a comment, funny comment on it. But as our conversation progresses, and I make a couple of, of sort of attempts to just engage him on the subject and what has happened, and first he sort of acts like he doesn't know what's going on, or oh, what, what could you be talking about? And me, I still, <laughs> stupid me, like I still think he's being sarcastic or playful, like it's just it's, it's a bit. But as we got further and further, it was clear he was very to my mind, very angry still, definitely mad at me right. for even asking about it. Right. And as if it wouldn't, you know, there was there was no, listen, there was certainly no sort of prearranged agreement of what we would or would not talk about. And right. his publicist had said to me that morning, the interview can still happen, but you can't ask him about this. I would have said, no, we, we obviously can't do it under those terms. Right. So it was very surprising to me that just thing, again, in my naivete and stupidity, that it would play out that way. Well, I, why I, did it play out? Did he, I mean, did he get really mad at you? Yeah. I mean, it was very, I, you know, not, 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 you know, not, just, I've had very good, comfortable experiences with him in the past. I know when things are tense and it was very tense. And I still said to him at the end, you know, I know this wasn't, necessarily pleasant for you but i thank you for you know coming and 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 you know again it just like another another sort of fusillade was unleashed at me before before it ended and you know at minimum if you're i assume if you if you're a public figure a quote-unquote celebrity you have to be aware that the words you're saying right now to a reporting person with a, a digital tape recorder in front of you that those are going to go into the newspaper as you said them you know, it, it's an interesting thing, though, because you get someone who's... Like, I know what it's like to end one of those shows. Look, I, I don't know what happened that day in the restaurant, sure. and I don't know what happened in the in the conversation no. with you and James, but I do know... So I just dropped my water. Oh, of course. How convenient. That's all right. It's only gone into that electrical thing, yeah. so it's fine. <laughs> Ignore those sparks. It's it's fine. Well, the first podcast by candlelight. Yeah, it's uh, that fire is nothing to. It's not. A, it's just a. It's decorative. Yeah. So, but I know what it's like for when I finished in late night, yeah. and I wanted to go. Yeah. I was. I think looking back on it now, making very bad decisions oh. <laughs> over and over and over I again. See. We started our conversation today talking about a show called Join or Die, which yeah. I did. I should not have made that oh. show. But I was like, I don't know what to do. And right. I felt like I should make that show. And it, was a, it wasn't a good show, and I shouldn't have done it. You wanted, and, But you felt like you, would just want, you wanted to have something to go on right. to. Yeah. And, and also, I had a whole team yeah. of people, because I had a team then. Yeah. And nobody tells you you're going to end up with a team. Right. You end up with a team, and you're like, I don't, I don't want a team, but you've got a team. And they say, no, you you got to do this. Yeah. Now, Craig, this is a thing you got to do. So my guess is that James Corden said, I don't really want to talk to the New York Times. And his team said, you can't cancel on the New York Times. Or, and 
And then he said, well, tell him I don't want to talk about that. And they probably said to him, we told him. That could very well be. I think that that, that is, you know, I, I mean, because I've had experiences sort of the inverse of it, where a publicist will say, you know, don't ask about blah, blah, blah. If you bring it up, that you know, they're going to hang up on you. They're going to walk away, whatever right. it is. And then you go and you have the conversation and you talk they, about it and it's totally fine. Yeah. I, another true story. I mean, this is going back some, but the very first time that I interviewed Paul Rubens, uh, God bless him. Oh, God. And this was in like 2004. And, you know, it was for like the deep. It's an obvious. Did they say to you, don't bring it up? Of course. Right. Okay. Like, of course. And, and, and and I was, you know, I was very young and a little cowed. And I was like, well, I got to get this interview however it is. And I just kind of bit the bullet. And, you know, I'm sure everybody who's ever met him, you probably met him. I you never did meet him, oh, actually. Which I'm very annoyed about. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, he's the ge- just the gentlest, like, kindest guy. Also, I ripped off his show oh. quite a lot for my own show, <laughs> you know, on late night. I assume he forgave you. Yeah, I hope so. I don't know. I never had the chance to apologize to him. I, I don't know that he bore, with a couple of exceptions, I don't think he bore ill will to anybody. And, you know, just the most soft-spoken guy guy and like within i don't know five ten minutes of our conversation he started talking about the arrest and and in a very organic way and talking about how he knew just the effect that his the mugshot had on the public that he looked so different and his hair was down to his shoulders and it wasn't the way people were used to seeing him yeah and you know that opened the door and we we, I, i didn't i wouldn't say that we like dwelled on it but of course if you're writing about paul rubens you know you talk about that part of the story because he was the first canceled celebrity i can think in in a way i mean i look i mean if you want to go back to fatty arbuckle yeah you knew it you knew what i was gonna say holy cow get out of my head well fatty arbuckle (laughs) is is an interesting thing because that's a uh, i mean he was proved innocent that's i mean it's i can't even fathom you know in an era when all you have is like print media and and radio and you know how how information got circulated how you in, in a case where you're innocent how you clear your name but you know it, it's mind-boggling i i think even now i mean people like to say there's no smoke without fire which right. anyone who's worked in show business for yeah. two minutes can tell you <laughs> it's mostly smoke and no right. fucking fire ever <laughs> so no smoke without fire right. is bullshit but the the idea that he was, you know, that morality, that 1920s, you know, expecting morality from movie stars. Yeah, yeah. I think that's quite current right now. But people want their, I mean, they were, like, people are getting mad at Picasso for being a horrible misogynist. That's yeah. not a fucking secret that Picasso was a horrible misogynist. Look at the fucking paintings. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, it's not, right. it's not, this is not new, but suddenly it's, the outrage seems sometimes a little disingenuous to me. It's a little... It's it's hard for me, you know, I mean, I, I, there are times where I can say, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not talking about Picasso, but there, you know, there are people who just seem to be just sort of perpetually feeding the outrage machine. And I understand why, kind of. I mean, like, I don't I don't know how many months will have elapsed by the time this conversation is shared with the public, but like. Woody Allen coming to the defense of this. <laughs> how, how much? How much would you hate it 
if you were if you were under fire for being a misogynist, and, and Woody Allen yes. says that it's terrible. I want this guy's side. Go, Shut up, Woody Allen! Stop fucking backing me up. Now we've got some good news for you. Yeah. An Oscar-winning director has come to your defense. Oh, jeez. Yeah. But it, it's it is a kind of odd thing. I think that obviously it's to do with getting clicks and getting people to click on you know stories one of the kind of pivotal moments for me during the current situation yeah it was i was on one of the sites it was buzzfeed or i don't know ectoplasm whatever it was <laughs> and whatever, whatever the site was and i don't know if ectoplasm is the site is probably, now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i saw the headline was 10 things that will really irritate you <laughs> <laughs> Why would I? Why would I fucking click on this? And I did. Yes. I fucking clicked on it. There's nothing made. There's no obligation. It's yeah. it's literally telling you, Craig Ferguson, do not click on this yeah. button. Well, that could have been do the headline. Do not press. Yes. And then of course you press. Yes. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you find 
yourself now, though, because you see how the sausage is made and you've known how it's made for a long time, mm -hmm. do you look at it with a different eye when you hear a story about, well, let's look at uh, James Corden's thing. When when you heard that story about him, were you like, eh, that's not a thing, or I wonder, or I've heard stories, or what? Yeah, I, I did wonder. Uh, of course you wonder, right? right. I mean, is, is it because... At the time, I mean, certainly this other fellow, Keith McNally, you know, who was the restaurant owner. Guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I'm sure the information he was getting from his staff was was real and, and sincere on their part. But, you know, he also has this identity as a kind of online provocateur and yeah. saying things, yeah. you know, on, on his account to kind of, you know, uh, rile people up or get under their skin a little bit. So, yeah, of course, you're just, you know, you have to have, I think, just a borderline baseline curiosity of like, okay, what's really going on here? And but I, what happens to curiosity in a post-truth yeah, environment? Yeah. I mean, oh, that's that's what you, we're looking at, right? Sure, and, and in fairness, I mean, it's not as if I got Corden to actually answer, you know, any of my questions that he right. really addressed it. And whatever conclusion people came to in that moment, ha you know, had more to do with his attitude towards me. And yeah. I, I'm not a publicist and I'm not his handler, but it, all, all he had, I mean, there were so many other ways that he could have approached it, it, you know, without, still without sort of answering my question or giving me any, you know, content or fuel for the fire. Well, that's, but, I mean, that's what I think. When, when I watched the interview with uh, Prince Andrew. Did you ever see that? <laughs> like Prince Andrew. Oh, they, what, a, what a segue. What a transition. Well, kind yeah. of the same thing in the sense where you go, didn't anyone say to yeah. him, you know, you might want to shut up yeah. here. You're in the wrong. You clearly did something wrong. Shut the fuck up yeah. and make a deal if that's what's on the table. Yeah. But to go on and think that you can hoodwink people, even if you could hoodwink people, it's probably best to shut up. Uh, isn't but isn't isn't this this is there's just something fundamental I guess about about human nature that because these scenarios keep repeating in in some way and we all look at them and we say you know if I were in that position I bet I wouldn't dot 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 I'd be the one who finally doesn't or does yeah. and and the fact that it never happens it's it, it, you know we can't I, we can't prevent ourselves we all get in these emotional places and and they we react to provocation or what we perceive as provocation. Well, what about the idea as well that no one seems to be the villain of their own story? Right. Now, now the truth yeah. is, uh, if I look back at my, because of I got sober, I got involved with a bunch of people who made me do inventories of myself oh. and my behavior yeah. and the times, of, and continue to do it. Yeah. And what I noticed and what drives me crazy about these people I'm involved with <laughs> For, they don't even let me say their name. That's okay. Um, well, they do, but it's, it's, the tradition is sure, that sure. I don't. Yeah. Is that my part in it is the only part that I can do in the book. Right. And do you find that, like you interact probably less so now, I think, with pop culture than you did maybe when you were still on The Times, right? You're probably doing it less now? Sure. I mean, I st I'm primarily a consumer of it. Right. Just a, just a, a kind of rank-and-file uh, audience member. I, I mean, I still write freelance pieces, but, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that I am at the sort of, you know, nose-to-the-right-at-the-screen kind of person. Right, but when you talk to... You've talked to a lot of people who are accomplished in the arts, Absolutely. Right? 
Have you ever met someone who you've thought, this is actually someone who's accountable? This is someone who's like, yeah, I totally, they totally own who they are and they're accountable. Hmm. Hmm. I'd really, I, I maybe it, it'll probably occur to me the moment I step out of the studio. I will say I take a lot of pleasure in, you know, I've had these experiences before. I mean, people who have just lived a lot of years mm. and, and are truthful about, you know, a, a book that I wrote about the screenwriter Patty Chayefsky and, and his producing partner by the time I wrote the book was in his early 80s. Right. And beholden to no one anymore. Didn't have to worry about offending the wrong people or, you know, anybody's reputation or what. And, and he was very proud to have worked with Chayefsky and had produced films like Network, which, you know, won Oscars, was a Best Picture nominee. And he was very to my mind, candid about his relationship with Chayefsky, about Chayefsky's own volatility, notorious volatility. I mean, a guy who stormed out of meetings and threw things that people still regarded as one of our, you know, great screenwriters, but mm-hmm. had a lot of obvious just, you know, ego and personality problems. And- but I, I see, I don't have a problem with an artist having problems. And what I don't understand mm-hmm. is this relentless drive by the Borg for fucking respectability. Why does Mugdigliani have to be respectable? <laughs> Why does fucking, oh, Vincent, you cut your ear off. Oh, you're so wrong. Why the fuck should Lammy be a good guy at your, right. you know, kid's soccer practice? It's not <laughs> fucking Imagine necessary. Imagine if you were, though. <laughs> I, I really, really thought the kids did well. We thought the kids did well with the soccer. 11 new and a youngster. <laughs> but I think that yeah. I think that that there is this weird. This is why I don't understand. Yeah. yeah, the idea that everybody be held up to the same moral value as a middle of the road Sunday school teacher. Yeah, it's not. I don't. I didn't come of age in that. I no. didn't feel like that was necessary. No, I. I mean, we're, I don't think as as a as a people we're ever going to sort that out. I mean, of you know, I got a guy tattooed on my arm who murdered his own girlfriend. I mean, let's not mince words. I'm not celebrating him for that fact. Right. I, I, look, maybe maybe somebody will notice that one day and say, "How dare you? How I'm, can you have that?" Yeah. yeah. My, I mean, my wife's known about it since you know we've since we've been together. She's never taken umbrage at it and she understands why the symbolism and the spirit of Sid Vicious right. means I mean I'll never ever live that life or come close to it I but don't think you need to and I don't you. think <laughs> and I don't think anyone need I think yeah. Sid shouldn't have done it either yeah. you know right but th- these are the people that like we just we can't help but at least find ourselves fascinated with and they're the ones at the the avant-garde or the bleeding edge they're the ones that are pushing not all of them have to murder their girlfriends to, to do it but but you know we find that the people who are, you know, in in some way or another advancing our culture or making the things that are lasting or contributing to them, you know. Or being swept along by it. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. the the whole thing of, I mean, Sid is actually a pretty good example. Sid was, what, 21, 22? Yeah. You know, I mean, so he's yeah. a, a kid. Yeah. And being swept up in this, this huge, look, I was in my early 40s before I became even a little bit famous. And... It's a very odd thing to have happen to you. I yeah. can't imagine how anyone survives it in their early 20s. That no. is insane. Well, and and certainly, you know, when you look at the the numbers of those who don't and and you right. know, find it so you know, damaging and and uh, overwhelming. It, it and you know, and 
every iteration of it. I mean, obviously now with all the different ways that you can be, you know, examined and being perpetually under the microscope, it seems horrifying. But people in in eras when all there was was just, you know, uh, TV and radio and like a handful of newspapers, even that was too much to well, bear. Is it necessary for you, if you like someone's work, that you find their personality uh acceptable it's very tricky now right i mean it's it's one thing to look back at people even from the 70s and you can you know you can just like just about enough time has elapsed right where you can say like okay yeah i recognize that they were horrible in this way or that way but they're you know years gone by maybe they're dead and and so like i can just look at the artifact of what they've made it seems impossible to do now that now you really have to be, you know, you're you're being evaluated both on the quality of the thing that you do or make and in tandem with, you know, the personality has to be reflected in that somehow. And it has to be within, you know, ju- like just, uh, just outside the confines, but also within the confines. Somehow. Yeah, I, I find that that might be detrimental towards art. Yeah. It, it just in the sense that, you know, well, look, let's take a different form of art. Let's talk about a chef. You ever meet a chef who wasn't a dick? You know? <laughs> I mean, like, every chef I've ever met me. is a fucking dick. I You're going to be eating the, a lot of fast food on the rest yeah. of this trip, I think, Craig. <laughs> but, but I think it's kind of, it's what they kind of have to be. Yeah. You know, they, they're, they're, there is a very high-pressure situation. It's very, decisions all the time. You're the one that, you're on the line for it, nobody else. And it's like, it seems to either it produces a personality like that or it attracts a personality like that, something like that. But for you, right, is, you know, obviously it doesn't matter if you go to a restaurant and the food tastes good. You don't really think about if the chef's a dick. But then again, people don't think about who makes their iPhones, yeah. do they? Yeah. I mean, well, it's forget like, it. Right, if you really yeah. start pulling that apart, we right. Right, you're, it's, you're it's like, it's, so it seems to me a, a convenient moral stance is is what's really taken. It's not a real moral stance. I mean, if you if you really wanted to get moral stance, you wouldn't put any gasoline in your car and you wouldn't have an <laughs> iPhone. You just wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's up to, look, I, you know, this is the greatest cop-out of all time, but it's up to the individual. And if somebody transgresses, whether it's a chef or an artist or whomever it is, to a degree that, you know, you find, you know, offensive or untenable, like, I think you have a right to... Yes, uh, you do. Uh, with, yeah, you're you right. You personally, yeah. with, you know, have a right to withdraw. I, I mean, you know, if you're talking about a criminal offense, then... Commit a crime, you go to jail. Right. That's, right. that's the way well, it is. But when you're just talking about, you know, a, a personality thing and an ego thing, and, you're, you know... Right. Like, you can, you can, in your mind, cancel that person. You know, the question, like, the need to cultivate, you know, a kind of a mob or, or just a, right. you know, an outcry around an incident that you, you know, is that, that dynamic seems pretty entrenched now too. It's also a little tired, I think, because you, you get the idea of, uh, you know, people are saying that they're annoyed and you go, well, well people are saying that, you yeah. know, like 40 people on Twitter, <laughs> I don't fucking care. Yeah. You know, it's not even Twitter anymore. What is it? Twix? Right. It's Twix. <laughs> it's just 40 people on Twix. Right. Are, I think that's like the best thing that, you know, of, of, of all the ways that the site has been kind of ruined and, and made like unusable, at least like it's it, it doesn't have that kind of like the power to just like generate those, that, that kind of like th- those instant mobs. No, it's know? declawed. Yeah. It, it's really interesting. I wonder if, if Musk really is a genius and he went, 
I'm gonna declaw this motherfucker. I'm I'm gonna again. It's gonna be it's gonna be a kitten. It's gonna be totally fucking useless. I mean, I think yes. I I don't. No, know. the kittens are useless. Yeah. I'm sorry, cat ladies. <laughs> now you're canceled. Yeah. <laughs> I, look, I th- I I mean, I'm sure that he went in with some kind of intent of like you know making it less powerful and less responsive to like the group dynamics that that you know that made it so popular. There's no question about it. But like whether I I don't know whether whether he intended it to have the effect that it was going to have on like celebrity culture i think that like he couldn't have possibly intended that like all <laughs> of his like these great you know to have all these contributors people who you could have you know in other circumstances you would have been paying large sums of money to like generate content for you every day mm-hmm. and to just alienate them en masse like it, that, there's no way <laughs> you're right he's not was, a genius that was not part of the business <laughs> we've come full circle yeah. he's a goddamn idiot <laughs> So here's the thing I wanted to ask you. I okay. bet you get asked a lot if some one of your friends says, you know, you were interviewing, I don't know, Michael Caine. And they would say, what was he like? And you have to say he was nice. Because yeah. if you know if, with Michael Caine, it's easy because he is nice. Right. But you know you're going to shatter someone's dreams if you tell them that he was dreadful and he smelled like pee. <laughs> Which he doesn't, uh, and he isn't. I'm sure he's uh, fragrant as a rose. But here's what I think you've done. It's very, very clever. We've talked for this entire podcast about other people Mm -hmm. because I think that's what you do. I think you deflect as much as possible away from yourself. From myself? Yeah, why do you think you do that? I don't know. Um, You know, it's interesting because I, I don't imagine that I'm actively doing it. No, and, I don't, I don't I, think I, you're I, being no, obtuse. I, I, I just okay. think... And it, I even thought that... I mean, I'm not accusing you or, or criticizing or anything. I thought we kind of did talk about some personal things. But yeah, if, I mean, you you sat and looked at me and listened to me for the last 45 minutes. So I got no, to no, no, give you some credence here. No, I, I think what it is yeah. is that you... I don't think you're guarded. I, I really don't. I don't okay. get from you that you're trying to hide. Thanks. But I do get that you have a genuine curiosity, which I think is fascinating, Thanks, given, the, given the fact that you've been doing it for, you haven't been doing it for 50 years, but you've been doing it for a while. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't start, you know, yesterday, is sad to say. But yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't think, I'm not like, uh, other than a couple of things, I'm not like guarded about myself, and I'm not really protecting anything. Except but, you won't tell me who you're working on a book with. That's right. But that's, that's right. okay, that's yeah. a professional decision. Yes, thank you. That's but, all right. <laughs> it's not like, you know, how do you like your, you know, Sex or anything? <laughs> How do you like your sex? My what? Dave? Your sex. How what? do you like your sex? I've never heard this word. Wait, I, 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 I gotta look this up. Can yeah. I go on? How do you like your sex? <laughs> do you like it? Do you like the lady sex or do you like the other one? If I go online and and type in the word sex, will I find information on yeah, this topic? Yeah, you'll get a lot. Okay, I good. tell you what not to do is <laughs> don't do this when. <laughs> When we were in Los Angeles, my wife, she felt her skin was getting very dry. Uh-huh. She said, I, I think I really need to get some treatment for this. Go, go to a spa, get some connection. My skin's very dry. Uh-huh. I went, okay. So she Googled LA's best facial, which is a very, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, very bad idea. Oh, my God. Uh, so never, never do that. Although apparently it's good for your yeah. skin. <laughs> Um, 
So, Dave, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank I, you so much for inviting me to come by and do this and to get to catch up with you like this. I'm so thrilled and well, you so are, flattered. You are, you, know, you are a man who understands a loose format, yeah. and, I, and I like that. <laughs> and I do get that yeah. you get a sense of joy of what you do. I, I really do. Thank you so, so much. I do, and, uh, you know, there's nobody who I'd rather share a loose format with <laughs> <laughs> than you, Craig. So, thank you, my friend. Thank you. Good luck. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth, no matter who you are, that mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.